1: Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile Essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary.
0: You're listening to The Extra Point Show with Sal Capaccio and Sneaky Joe DiBiase on WGR Sports Radio 550.
1: Your team is always changing and evolving with draft classes, free agents, whether they're one-year deals or multi-year deals. Some guys age out, some guys... Play themselves to where you can't afford them you're constantly changing the roster but this is a quarterback league and I
2: believe in the guy we got under center that is Buffalo Bills general manager Brandon Bean he spoke yesterday his post-season press conference down at one bills drive all that inner all that audio excuse me is on demand at wgr550.com Sal Capaccio sneaky Joe DiBiase here on the extra point show on WGR. We're going to welcome in now our good friend Matt Bove, WKBW TV Channel 7 Sports Director, also my co host on the It's Always Game Day in Buffalo podcast. We have our post game and post season, really just post game wrap up show from the other night up right now. It's wherever you pod, also on the Sal Sports YouTube channel. And we're going to be uh, giving you a lot more content. In the meantime, Matt, good morning. Welcome in. It's Sal and Joe. Hey, guys. How are you today? Pretty good. Try to dissect uh, what uh, was uh, said yesterday. What what stood out to you? Anything that either man or both kind of jumps out to you of what they said yesterday?
0: I don't know if there was anything that they said that I didn't necessarily anticipate. I feel like if you read between the lines on some of the things, you can kind of put the pieces together on what they want the offseason to look like. I think we've seen the last of Micah Hyde and probably Jordan Poyer in Buffalo I think it would be a long shot if Gabe Davis comes back. I think Daquan Jones probably does come back. I think wide receiver will be a priority for them this offseason. You know, he said that they don't think, Brandon Bean said he doesn't think that they're going to make any splash moves, but he also said that right before they signed Von Miller. I know the money was different then, so I kind of take that for what it's worth, and I'm sure they'll still be looking to try and do something relatively significant. Nothing like – that absolutely jumped out that felt like, okay, this is absolutely the story of the day. This is going to be what everybody's talking about. But I think when you take all the little pieces and put them together, you can kind of get an outlook on what the next few months are going to look like.
2: We've been talking about the fact that they both mentioned explosive players, explosive Mm -hmm. plays. And I think that is a story going into this offseason where it feels to me like, Matt, both the GM and the head coach have an understanding that they need to have more explosive players at the skill position, especially wide receiver, and that's where a focus is going to be this offseason.
0: Well, they should have had at least three explosive plays, when I'm thinking of the game from the other night, four explosive plays, and none of them ended up working out. You had the deep shots of Stephon Diggs. You had multiple deep shots to Trent Shurfield. You were like at least one of those caught. You have the play at the end of the game that probably should have been a touchdown to Khalil Shakir. I know all the conversation is should, he have taken, should, have, should Josh have taken the underneath route. Well, he had a touchdown if he doesn't get bumped into by Deion Dawkins and Chris Jones pushing him back there. They need somebody to stretch the field. Gabe Davis has been somebody who's been able to do that for them, and it was very clear that they missed him in the game on Sunday. Now he's probably priced himself out of Buffalo. He's probably going to get a bigger contract somewhere else. Now you don't need to just replace Gabe Davis. You need to replace Gabe Davis, and you need to improve the other guys around you. Because Khalil Shakir is a really nice piece, but to me, I'm almost operating under the assumption that Khalil Shakir kind of becomes the new version of Cole Beasley, who can you know be your main guy inside, but also do a little bit of everything. So then you need to add at least two more guys who can stretch the field opposite of Stefan Diggs.
1: Yeah, it's specific to that skill set, I think, Matt, because Shakir, like you said, he's like 70% in the slot, which is closer to where Beasley used to be as like a primary slot guy. Um, mm-hmm. They just, I mean, they didn't have it, right? Like, is that to you also a big reason why we saw their – you know willingness to run the ball the second half of the year go up a little bit. I think McDermott you know talking about this yesterday g- kind of led me to believe that it's not necessarily what he wants his identity to be, and that's why they ran it more. It might have been more because they just lacked the personnel
0: I thought it was very interesting that he said when asked about I think it was sales question about what you're looking for in an offensive coordinator he completely he immediately brought up how he cut his teeth around Andy Reid and Andy Reid is a pass first stretch the field explosive play guy and he realizes that that's the NFL these days especially when you have a lead quarterback like they do so I do think that that's very much a part of it I think that look what happened when they tried to have explosive plays they were not working. So then they needed to adjust and try and be more methodical. And then you can sit here and we all have said, well, why were you doing that against the chiefs? And the answer might be because what every, everything else we were trying to do wasn't work working. Whenever we tried to take the deep shots, whenever we tried to hit these big plays, We were coming up short. They were leading to incomplete passes, and sometimes they were leading to interceptions, and that's what ultimately was hurting us. So we just needed to try and play this methodical game and then take the shots when they became available instead of forcing to take the shots but that didn't work. And I think a lot of that is because of the personnel that they had. I mean, like we just saw, said, Shakir's a really nice piece, but Shakir's not a guy who you're lining up on the boundary and saying, go run 55, 60 yards downfield, and we're going to hit you over the top. The only guy that they have who really thrives in that specific role has been Gabe Davis, and he wasn't available for the last couple of weeks. And Diggs has been, part of it has been Josh's fault because he has missed him on some wide-open deep shots that they should have connected on. But then in the last game, he hit him on one that was perfect, 63 yards in the air, and he drops it. So I think it was almost, yeah, this was the philosophy and this was the game plan because of the people that they actually had available.
2: Also, Brandon Bean did make it clear, you know, this isn't a, and both guys did. Sean said, we're not going to strip it down to the studs here. We're not talking about that. Brandon Bean made it clear, hey, I don't love to do restructures, but we'll do that because we're going to stay competitive. We're going to, you know, keep being in this thing and trying to win it. Any notion that, you know, this team has to reset and rebuild suddenly is just not the case. Now he did say they're going to have to get younger at some positions. And obviously, The first one that comes to mind is safety. The way they talked about both Poyer and Hyde yesterday, Matt, I mean, it was pretty much very reflective and pretty much in the past tense.
0: Well, let's take all the pieces and put them together and try and get the story. Micah Hyde on Monday says that he needs to sit back and reflect on things and make a decision. On Tuesday, his wife, Amanda, posts a message on social media that very much reads like, uh, Hey, Buffalo, thank you for everything. We've enjoyed our time here but it's time for the next chapter. And then an hour later, I asked Sean McDermott what Micah Hyde has meant to the team, and he talks about him running out of the tunnel for the last time in Orchard Park. And when you take all those things together, to me that goes, okay, Micah Hyde's probably done. To me, it feels like Micah Hyde's probably going to retire, not go sign somewhere else. But then when that question was asked to McDermott, he also brings up Jordan Poyer. And Jordan Poyer is somebody who is, you know, getting older, They could save some money if they decide to part ways with him. I always kind of thought that you would keep Poyer for this last year and then bring somebody in to play next to him so you're not doing two new safeties at once. But given the money situation and the fact that Poyer, I mean, he was an every-down safety, but at the same time he kind of wasn't this year, maybe that's too much money for them to be paying somebody who's not an every-down safety for you or an every-situation safety and they just want to start
1: over. How do you look at the needs in general for the roster? I mean, there there should be changeover, but you know, when when we talk draft mat and free agency, like, I don't know, isn't it mostly just three units? Isn't it just receiver safety and D line that we're talking about, I think, on the regular?
0: Yeah, for me it's the number one need is wide receiver, and then once you think you've addressed the wide receiver position, then you need to go add another wide receiver because I feel like it's almost like with quarterbacks where you just need to kind of keep throwing darts at the board and see what hits. If you find somebody who you really like, that should not – like let's say they go sign somebody in free agency who's at least a somewhat notable name. I'm assuming they're not getting T. Higgins or Mike Evans or maybe even DeAndre Hopkins. But let's say you go out and get somebody who is like a legitimate number two wide receiver. I still would be drafting one in the first round because you need to be protecting your best asset, your most important asset – and that is Josh Allen. I think of what was the Bills' most dynamic offense during this entire stretch, and for me it was the 2020 season, and their weapons that year were obviously Josh Allen, you had Stephon Diggs in his first year with Buffalo, you had John Brown, you had Cole Beasley, and you had Gabe Davis as a rookie. Those were a lot of pieces. Right now you have Stephon Diggs, and then your second best receiving option this year was Shakir, and then after that it's Trent Sherfield that is not nearly as good as they once had. So that, to me, is by far the most important thing. Then after that, I would say probably defensive line and then safety. But it's a little hard for me to justify the defensive line thing because they have used so many resources over the years to try and figure out the defensive line, and it still hasn't worked. I kind of get the sense that Daquan Jones is going to come back. So I think if you get him back, I know you need depth but then you would at least know you have Ed Oliver and Daquan Jones to be your you know, starters there. I know they're a very heavy rotation team, but if you get him back, then I think it lets you kind of spend your money or use your resources elsewhere.
2: I think they can get several of those guys back on cheaper deals. Usually that's a position where guys don't really, you know, once you get through the top end of the market, guys settle in. I mean, Shaq Lawson, who's a nice player, I think, for example, at D I know it's not D tackle, you know, he's, He's hit the market like three times in the last three years, and he comes back on a you know one-year vet minimum deal, basically, right? I mean, that's what happens. Tim Settle is he going to get a real big deal? So you can argue anybody can that they could use an upgrade there, but I I agree. I think that you probably Daquan, probably some other guys, you can get back before we can move on to the Sabers. I want to ask you one more question about the Bills here, Matt, which is Mm -hmm. this is the first year really under Sean and Brandon that they've had they have three questions at a question at each of the three coordinator spots. Mm-hmm. How do you see all of them playing out, meaning Sean hiring someone or not based on anything he said yesterday for a defensive coordinator, where Joe Brady stands in that situation at offensive coordinator, and whether or not you think they will or should retain Matthew Smiley?
0: So I'll start with Matthew Smiley. I think they will retain him. I don't know if they should, but I think they will just because it felt like when he was asked about Matthew Smiley over the last couple of days. He more talked about poor execution than poor decision-making. And Matthew Smiley's not the guy out there who's executing. Now, somebody needs to take the fall for that. And after the missed uh, fake punt, I kind of immediately was like, okay, well, Matthew Smiley's done. But I I didn't necessarily get that sense from him. I think he's going to promote Bobby Babich to be defensive coordinator. And even though it might just be defensive coordinator in title and it will still be Sean McDermott's defense, I think that he has been so important to the safeties and linebackers that he has coached, that it makes sense that he would kind of take that next step and be the guy in waiting. I understand that there are coaches ahead of him, but I think that for Sean McDermott, that's a position and a coach that you want to kind of kind of go under your wing and then hopefully retain for the next several years. And then offensive coordinator, I think will be Joe Brady. They kind of talked about Joe Brady, like it was a foregone conclusion yesterday. I know they still need to go through the process of it. I also realized that the last time Josh Allen gave his stamp of approval, it did not work, but I think this is a different transition. He gave his stamp of approval to a quarterback's coach who hadn't called plays at the NFL level. Now you're going to somebody who had done it before. Mm -hmm. And then in the nine games where he did it, I was not blown away, but I would say I was fairly impressed. And I think once again, that as a young coach, who could probably be here for a couple of years, who seems like he's got a good relationship with the guys in the room. I feel like that one is probably the most I'm the most confident in. Then I would say Smiley. Then I would say Bobby Babbage because the Bobby Babbage one is interesting. Like if he's going to get a better job somewhere else, you Mm kind of have to decide, are you going to do the same thing here or are you just going to let him walk because you have a different plan?
1: And I, I wonder how much of that would even be, you know, just title. You know, not to say he wouldn't have more responsibility, but you could make Bobby Babbage the defensive coordinator, if, and McDermott can still call plays if he wants to.
0: Yeah, I think so too. And I think the only thing that's tricky mm-hmm. about that is it almost feels like a little bit like an Eric Bienemy situation, where a mm-hmm. Eric bien was the guy who always was passed over for the next step because everybody kind of assumes that it was Andy Reid's offense. So I wonder if mm-hmm. he would be worried about taking a defensive coordinator job with a defensive-minded head coach knowing that the same thing might happen to him You put in the
2: hours, the energy, the tough labor. You are a fighter, and is your reward. Madela, the
0: mark of a fighter. Trick responsibly, beer imported by Crown Import, Chicago, Illinois.
2: Yeah, and let's be honest. I mean, these guys, you know, they have careers. And I'm sure Bobby Babich, I would assume he'd want to be a play caller, and if he gets that opportunity in New York yeah. or somewhere else, over coming back to Buffalo and not being a play caller, maybe that's more appealing. A lot of things obviously factor into there. Matt, uh, did you watch? Did you sta- how much of the Sabres game did you stay up and watch last night?
0: <laughs> so I woke. up, I fell asleep when I got home. It's been a crazy couple of days, and I woke up about halfway through the first period, and then I watched the first period, the second half of the first period, all of the second period, and then most of the third period.
2: So I I saw most of the game. I mean, the second period was just. It's one of the worst periods they've played, and you're playing against a team. Anaheim. They <laughs> capitalize on some mistakes, but I mean, I, I just, I guess, I don't even know what to ask you. I mean, what? Where? Where is this team? What can they do? And maybe I'll just ask you straight up, Matt. Do you think that a coaching change is needed, or would at least do something for this team?
0: I think I, I, I'm running out of ideas, and that's the problem because I'm sure the team is as well. I think on the list of people to blame, Don Granado is certainly close to the top, but I don't know if he is the yeah. top. Like, I still think Kevin Adams probably deserves more of the blame for the team's lack of success this year than Don Granato does, but I also don't think it's realistic that Kevin Adams is going to lose his job. So then that mm-hmm. brings us to, well, what needs to happen? Most of the guys they have on this team are under contract for the foreseeable future, some of them for the long term. So if you're going to have the same core of guys, it makes you wonder, Is it time for a coaching change? And you look around the league and you see all of the improved play from teams that have fired their coaches. I don't necessarily think that would happen here, but I also don't know what you're supposed to do because you are dangerously close to completely losing this season. You've already probably surpassed that point. If they made a coaching change, it would take an unbelievable stretch in the second half of the season to climb themselves out of the hole that they're in. And if the plan is just going to be to move on from Granado anyway at the end of the season, then I guess what's the harm? But I just don't know. If this continues and they finish as a team in the low 80s, as far as points are concerned, how they could just bring back the same core and bring back the same coach. You would. You've already lost the fan base. You would complete it it would go from people being annoyed and upset about how you are playing to not caring and that's a really slippery slope because we're flirting
1: with that now it's scarier that I think that is scarier than having people like you want you almost want fans in the stands chanting you'd rather have Mm -hmm. them fire somebody because and rather than it be a, a silence because then they at least still care um and I do think yeah. that that is right. They're nine points out now, Matt. To a point where, like, I listened to this about Granado and Salas that question, and Jeremy had the list earlier on the show of, you know, how they just have not made any acquisitions since the Jack Eichel trade at all. They just kind of like bring the young guys in and let's hope that that works. Mm-hmm. And I don't know what the point of any of it is right now. I feel like they're too far out for it to matter, and that's that's a depressing spot, right? We're like, okay, yeah, sure, fire Granado tomorrow and like I don't know. Does that mean they're that gonna make the playoffs now? Go go trade somebody today. I mean I might like that more because it'd mean for the future, but mm-hmm. it's it's the inaction, I think more so with the roster, and that's an Adams thing to me that, that has yeah. me, you know, not believing as much right now.
0: I'm so sick of hearing about the future with the Buffalo Sabres. And I know I am not alone. I get that you do not need to try and rush things along like Tim Murray did and completely destroy your future assets. But they have so many of them. And it's why last year I was, you know, yelling every time I could, Hey, go trade for Jacob Chikrin. And everybody was like, well, the price was different and Ottawa didn't have to pay what Buffalo had to pay. And would you really like to not have Zach Benson right now? And it's like, no, of course you would like to have Zach Benson, but, what is this team doing with Zach? Like you have so many pieces that are probably never going to end up actually making this team or playing significant amount of minutes for this team. I don't know how Isaac Rosane and Noah Offlin and Yuri Kulik and Matt Savoy and eventually bet. Like, I don't know how those guys all fit in to the core that you have now signed yourself up for. Mm -hmm. So I just don't get, I don't get what they are trying to do because, Kevin Adams banked on internal growth at the beginning of the season. I'm sure Don Granado said, Hey, I love Connor Clifton. I think we can get more out of him." That has not worked at all. They probably said, Hey, Eric Johnson, really steady depth defenseman. He knows how to win. That is a upgrade from Ilya Labushkin. Well, both of those have been misses to this point. And the guys that you were banking on taking steps forward have taken massive steps. I mean, when is the last time you have felt confident? Like, okay, Thompson Thompson's going to take over this game. Or, okay, Dylan Cousins right. is going to take over. Those guys have not done. The thing we were the most concerned about going into this year was goaltending. And that has not been the reason why they are struggling. And that's for me. I am not a UPL truther by any stretch. I have <laughs> been very critical of him. But he's played good enough hockey to be winning games here. But mm. his team just doesn't score goals. The thing that they were so good at they're no longer good at. So, yeah, I guess part of that falls on Granato, but part of it also falls on Kevin Adams for just saying, like, okay, this group is fine. Like, they're just going to continue to get better. And you could argue that none of them have, besides maybe Middlestad and Paterka. Right. Probably.
1: And Middlestad, I mean, he's he's in the news this week. Lance Lysowski the Buffalo News had a story of Middlestad told him that, you know, one, he was surprised to see his name in a trade rumor, so that's worth mentioning, but that also... He's an upcoming RFA, and he said that they haven't talked contract yet. And even that, Matt, like it's it's a weird situation for me for that because he's their leading scorer. Mm-hmm. They also pay everybody right away, so the idea they haven't even talked with Middlestat yet almost to me seems a little bit telling. But what are they going to do if, if they don't sign him? Are they going to trade him for more picks and prospects? Because we have just kind of been going through it. Like this is the la- that's the last thing they need.
0: That's the thing. It's like, well, if you're not going to keep Casey Middlestat, which is a conversation that you can have, what are you, what are you going to get for him? And if you're trading Casey Middlestat for a late first round pick and a B level prospect, I just don't get the point. Because once again, you are just kicking the can down the road, and you at that point have already completely lost the fan. I mean, like I said a couple minutes ago, go to a game. There's twelve thousand people at the games. Like, it's not full unless it's a, week, or a weekend night or a weekend matinee or there's some sort of special event going on. So the games aren't full. People aren't into it. The team isn't fun. At least a couple years ago, when they weren't good, they were kind of fun because they scored a bunch of goals and they would lose games like 6-5. Last year. Lose, well, yeah. well, last, last year, I kind of think they were close to being like they were – I know that more teams make it than miss, so technic, they were an average hockey team. But I actually Mm -hmm. considered them a little better than average. But now, I mean, they're Mm -hmm. way, way, way below average. But that's the thing. And that's the thing Granado always realized, too. He was like, hey, or at least he said it, like, you've got to score goals, right? And, like, I like our chances of outscoring teams. Now, look at their last several games. It's like, okay, you've scored two goals late against the Ducks. Score one goal at home in a mat. It's just, like, it's mind-boggling how ridiculously bad their offense has become. And their power, oh, my God. I can talk
2: about the power play for an hour. That thing is- <sighs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, I know, buddy. I know. It's just it's 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 tough. It, you 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 go into this season, and I know I was maybe a little too optimistic. I guess goaltending too, and Levi hasn't been quite what I expected. But UPL's picked up the slack for sure. But just to be in this position now, and so you know, we're sitting here on what January? What's today, guys? The twenty second, twenty Jan- fourth, January twenty fourth, and. It's over already, right? I mean, basically, let's be honest. It's just it's a, another year of just, okay, what's going to happen? Where are they in the draft lottery? It's just so discouraging, man.
0: Well, it's so discouraging, too, because the Bill season had just ended. I yeah. do not subscribe to this. I, I'm not agreeing with this from my job, from the way that I was raised. Like There are people in this city who believe that hockey starts when football ends. I don't agree mm. with it, but there are people who do, yeah. and the minute football ended, The hockey team laid an egg after they started the season terribly. At least if they were playing okay, then you could start to shift the focus and be like, well, look, the Sabres have all these young guys. They've got a ton of potential. They've got a ton of promise. That's not the case. Nobody is ending their bill season and going, oh, well, at least we got the Sabres now. People are going like, oh, my God, they're worse. (laughs) Like, how did, how did we get to this point? And that's just the, they had this amazing opportunity to be the thing that everybody poured their time and energy into, but now they've lost everybody because the start was so bad.
2: WKBW TV channel seven sports director, Matt Bove. Also, it's always game day in Buffalo. We're going to have another pod coming uh, at everybody. You and I got to start breaking down the off season now, buddy.
0: Yeah, we got to do one probably either later today or tomorrow morning. So uh, we'll, we'll text when the segment's done.
2: And we'll let everybody know when that is. And uh, we appreciate you joining us today. And I know you uh, you got the fam now and, and your daughter, beautiful. And I know you, time's a little different these days, isn't it, than it used to be?
0: Yeah, well, I thought I was going to be in Baltimore this weekend. And now we are going to go to Disney and I at the arena. So life All right. Well, there you go. Life comes at you fast nice. when things <laughs> like that happen. I'm looking forward to You're it. Right. Uh, it'll probably be the best performance I see in that building this year. So that's cool, too.
2: Wow, on that note, Uh, thanks Matt, appreciate you buddy We'll take a time out, we'll come back here It is the Extra Point Show on WGR Oh, by the way, when we come back Joe, get ready to start naming maybe, maybe, Utah hockey names in the NHL We really
1: need new phones T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s and each line is only $25 a month New iPhone 15s?
0: Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s
1: on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch (laughs)